Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Praise God from home. that you speak to us a word that opens up our spirits and lightens up our countenance. We ask that you take us to another place. Journey with us this morning. Let your grace and your power be real. And we may speak your word, O oh God, and stir up our spirits, O oh God, and cause us to focus on you in a brand new way. Father, cause us to journey from where we are to where you want us to be. Teach us some of the lies that the devil speak over us that we may be able to change the stories of those lies. Father, cause our hearts to burn with holy fire. Father, save us from lightness, O God, and emptiness that consumes the world today. And give us the real substance of your word that we may be able to journey with you. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So good morning once again. We're sharing this morning on the rising tide. The rising tide. Um, how many of you have um, like surfing? Surfing is not a black man's thing as they say. Right? So how many of you have gone surfing before? No, not a person in this room. Okay. You guys should do more adventurous things like bungee jumping, skydiving. Somebody's not. <laughs> I said, yeah, some things that you never see a black man do. <laughs> One of them is if there is AC versus there is sun, to go and sit inside the sun. You see all those canopies on the walking streets in Paris or London or something like that. Those canopies outside and there's indoors and outside. The black man will always go where? indoors yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't swim like you know swimming is not our thing so but can you break some of those can you break some of those stereotypes and be free free to do more and explore more, more space so tide is actually a word that is used for the tide is used for oceans and seas and rivers so at particular times okay i'm going to define it let's go forward so how does a tide happen the main tide effect is a lunar tide it's caused by the moon's gravity pulling on the earth so the force of the moon pulling the earth actually causes the water to jump and however the sun also pulls the earth so when the sun and moon pull in the same direction we see the highest tide and the lowest tides so generally, it's like we live in a planet full of water. 
So when the other planets rotate around us, they pull the seas. So some of those choppiness you see in the ocean starts out from the pool of the other planets that hang around the Earth. One of those kind of planets is called the moon. You know, moon is a constellation of the Earth, right? Like the sun itself. When they both pull at the Earth, the water bodies of the Earth now begins to move. And then you now have this whole wave that goes up. And then some other people now learn how to ride the wave and that is called surfing a, a flatter board on the water and stand on it and then interplay with the rise and fall of water but when we say the rising tide it means a great anticipation because sometimes they have to wait 12 hours sometimes three days for the high tide to come so they can surf so that, that anticipation, that whole waiting process for the tide to rise is what makes it a lot more special when you have a tide such as this. I don't know about you, but I wait every day for the move of God. I sit down and wonder when the power of God will be real in my life. I go to church every day hungry whether this will be the time when God will break out in the earth. I sit down and anticipate the tide of God. When is the next wave of God coming? When is God going to make me get my adrenaline rush? When is God going to take me towards actualization? When is God going to raise me up beyond the normal, the normal, the flat tepid water when is God going to ever take me past the point of praying and not knowing for sure whether he's hearing me when is God ever going to take me past the point of going to church and dressing nice and doing church on Sunday when is God going to ever take me past the point of doing religion and just doing what men do when is God going to ever take me beyond the point of just praying because I know it's a good thing to pray when is God going to ever take me past the point of just being a church man a good man when is fire going to blow out of my life when is the grace and the glory of God going to happen when is God going to raise up the standard of his in the earth when will all the wicked see God and say this God is awesome when will the world know of the greatness of my God when 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 I live every day hungry I don't know about you but I live every day hungry for God to work hungry for a move of God is that you? Do you have any expectation at all? So if you do, then you can understand why you need the rising tide. Let's go to the Bible. Start from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger... And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, there's a coming time when he's going to send his messenger. Messenger will prepare the way. And that which you are expecting that which you are anticipating, that which you are hoping.
hoping for will suddenly happen. What are we looking for? Say the move of God. What are you hungry for? Say the presence of God. What are you desiring for? Say the power of God. What do you want to see in your lifetime? Say the reality of God. You don't want to be told stories about this God. You want to see his move. You want to know his power. You want to understand the presence of God. You want to see the reality of God. And God says in Malachi, I am sending my messenger. I am sending someone. He will prepare the way. He will make an open a door. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. He said, behold, he is coming. Luke chapter 3 verse 4 to 6. Luke was quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. So this scripture is directly a parallel of Isaiah 40. It says, Isaiah spoken of John when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys shall be filled and the mountains and hills mid-level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. Then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Can you see one thing again? Something sent from God. If you see the first place he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come. It says, and all the people will see the salvation sent from God. There is this sense in which God is our chief desire and all earth looks to him. What are we looking for really? When men travel the earth, the length and the breadth of the earth. When we go to and fro, when we get business, when we make money, what are we really looking for? What we're really looking for is actually God. What we're looking for is not what we think we're looking for. The biggest desire of our hearts is actually the spirit of God, the grace of God, the glory of God. So Jesus is coming twice. Say twice. This is not heresy, so please hear me out before you think like he's coming twice. There are two second comings of Jesus Christ. He came once. So if you add it all together, you can call it three comings. Jesus is coming again. But first, before he comes for the church, he has to come into the church. Before Jesus comes for the church, he has to come into the church. There are two comings of Christ. One is coming into. And when he comes into his church, the Bible says he will prepare for himself a bride without spot or wrinkle. He will cleanse his bride. He will sit over his bride and remove every impurity. Then he will come for the bride. Jesus knows that we have no capacity of our own to prepare ourselves. Jesus knows that down to us, we are not going to be ready. We are going to always be rising and falling. Jesus knows that we don't have stay power. Many of us, when God is asking us to follow him, we follow him today. When the situation gets rough, we stop following when it's dark and dreary, we, we stop connecting. When, it, when the situation is challenging, we unbundle. So Jesus, first of all, will come into the church. 
The first thing he wants to do is he wants to come visiting you to unlock what you're about, to bring his grace into your life, to sit over you, to do his will in your heart, to make your heart ready, to tenderize the hardness of our hearts and how we constantly doubt him, how we constantly don't believe that he loves us, how he says he loves us and we doubt it, how he says he's with us and we doubt it, how he says he's present in our lives but we want everything to line up first. So Jesus turned and looked at Thomas and said, blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. The first coming of Christ is to come into us. Jesus now is ready to come. That is the tide. I'm just saying it so that you'll prepare, so that someone here will be hungry, so that someone here will be desirous, that what you're looking for is the coming of Christ into the church. What you're hungry for is the coming of Christ into your life. What you're waiting for is the move of God into your world. What you're desiring is actually God at work in your life. Say amen. So we cover this with many things. We cover this with, you know, as a church, you can actually cover this up with hype. So the kingdom of God in some places built around hype. Here's the next man of God coming. Dun, 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 dun. And then you make a movie about it. Give me some sound, some real sound. There's a drama. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 2018. The biggest program of all. The Holy Spirit himself is coming into Lagos, Nigeria. Now receive the man of God who is coming now into the country straight from Hawaii, Honolulu full of the Holy Ghost and power da -da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. make sure you don't miss it <laughs> so we live in anticipation of a coming man we live in anticipation of a coming program. We live in anticipation of a, of a coming event. But what we're looking for is a move of God. We don't know that that's what we're hungry for. So we go to these programs which are promised to be heaven and earth. And then we come back home empty at the end of the day. Why? Because that's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is for God to tell you, Hey girl, I'm here with you. Do you know everything is going to be okay? You know I'm going to take care of you and your husband. Do you know that the things that you're going through are not permanent? Do you know every one of your kids that you're worried about are going to get to the to the echelon of their career. Do you know their lives already assured? Do you know I've arranged men and women of destiny ahead of them that everything they're supposed to be coming, they're going to reach it. Do you know you don't have to worry? What you're looking for is for Christ to come into your world. And he wants to do that. That's the first coming of Christ. The first coming of Christ is for him to come into you. And speak over you his words and comfort you with his comfort and hold you and say hey you're mine you belong to me 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I show you with his love and take you on the journey of earth and everything that has happened on earth around you. He permitted it. He permitted it to build you and to make you more his. Then we know he's coming for the church. He's coming for the church. We've heard about rapture and the winding out of the earth. We heard about the 1,000 year reign of Christ. We heard about the lake of fire, new heaven and the new earth. So, let's read Matthew chapter 4, 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. How did that happen? It was when John was arrested. Jesus had the announcement for the beginning of his own ministry. The end of John is the beginning of Christ. Jesus was in a small town called Nazareth. It was when John was arrested that Jesus actually started relocated to Galilee and began his ministry. It was then he appointed his 12 disciples. It was actually when John was arrested. And one or two of the disciples of Jesus Christ were actually disciples of John. They came along with Jesus Christ. You understand? So he had to preach the message. That shows like the end of a time. Generally what happens in transition is that as one door is closing, a new window is opening. The end of ministry for John was the beginning of ministry for Jesus. So some, sometimes, maybe what we need to understand is actually the spiritual import of one end and the beginning of a new. What am I trying to say? So Jesus did not go about grieving John. Jesus never grieved John. This was his cousin. Do you understand? This was his cousin. Remember when the baby in the womb heard that Jesus was going to be born, that baby leaped. John was always excited about Christ. Jesus, contrary, did not seem to be excited about, about John. John was the forerunner, and John said, I must decrease, and he must increase. But even then, John was so offended with the way Jesus Christ conducted himself. Offense comes from transition sometimes. As things change, things are not the way they used to be anymore. You now pick up offense. But actually, what God is trying to do with transition is trying to come in. Transition is like a tide. This was the tide between Christ and John the Baptist. This was the most, one of the most important tides that is not closely hidden in the Bible. Because think about it, for 400 years, if you read the Old Testament between Matthew and Malachi, there's a page. And Bible historians say that that page represents 400 years. 
For 400 years, God was not talking to man. For 400 years, there was nothing happening. For 400 years, people prayed, but there was no response to that prayer in the way that they expected. God was not on talking terms with man. Then one man called Zechariah went into the temple. He was chosen by Lot to go and offer up sacrifice. In the day that he stepped into that temple, something happened. He saw an angel and he came back from there dumb. He was not deaf, but he became dumb. So all people could see is that he saw a ghost. And they told him the name of the son who is going to be born to him was a man called John. John was going to be the starter of a new time. John was going to be the forerunner of a new time. John was going to be the beginner of a new time. But it wasn't about John. It wasn't about John at all. It wasn't about John. So sometimes many of us sit in a John position. It's not about John. It's about the journey. It's not about your John. It's not about the starting. It's not about who announced. It's not about who started. It's actually about who finished the race. Many times God will appoint you as a king. And the process of kingship, like I was telling the children this morning about David. When, between the time when David was anointed and when he really became king was a period of about 30 years. And everything happened once he became anointed. The first thing was in First Samuel chapter 16, verse 12 to 13, God says, I've rejected all of David's brothers. And this man is actually the king. Kingship refers to dominating in a physical sphere on earth. Kingship refers to people who lead things on earth. So you've seen these movies, like people are now making things like uh, kings, right? Like right now. It's cool to be a king. Hashtag king. You understand? So wives on their husbands, uh, but they will say, happy birthday, my king. And then some people will do short movies called King Woman. And the women will also be king. So it's cool now in social media to be a king. But actually there are earthly kings. Actually there are earthly kings. There are actually earthly kings, people who have dominated their space. And God is the one who gave some to be kings on earth. The Bible says there's no kingship that doesn't come from God. So if someone's economy, for example, the CEOs of ExxonMobil, what's the economy of ExxonMobil? It's like trillions of dollars, right? It's more than the economy of Nigeria and five African countries put together. One company. So is the CEO a king or not? Do you, do you guys understand this? What's Microsoft net's worth? And how much does Bill Gates own out of that network? Maybe like if he owns 60%. He has billions of dollars. So when people rise to some place, they're actually kings. Who made them kings? The situation which they live in makes them kings. So if Bill Gates were to come to Nigeria, all of a sudden, he's not the president of his country, but the president of Nigeria wants to meet him. You know, remember last year, 
I was I was working with Facebook. Um, they had a project in Lagos where they wanted to do 5,000 hotspots, and I was a project manager for that project last year. So when the vice president of, of Facebook comes to Nigeria, everybody wants to meet with him. There's so many people who are coming from Facebook to Nigeria, and everybody wants to meet with them. But when the CEO of Facebook, Mark, it doesn't matter how old he is anymore, or whether he wears T-shirts or something. But when they saw him in Lagos talking to the boys at CC Hub, the president too wanted part of the action. You can't have a king coming to Yaba and going to Kenya without seeing the president. So they had to ask him to come back to Abuja and see the president. Why? King. Say king. So we all are hoping for a measure of kingship. We all are hoping for a measure of actualization of the purpose of God in our lives. We all are waiting for when it was going to happen. For some of us, we can even remember the time when we were anointed like David. A prophet came through our world and said to us, God is going to do great and mighty things in your life. How many of you have received a prophetic word before? Just wave. And what did they say? God is going to use you to do this and that. that was, what was that? That was like the anointing of David. When you are anointed, then the next thing that happens is Saul begins to run after you. In the rise and falls of your life, in the tides of your life, what happens is not that you are always up. Sometimes the rising tide is going to be a falling tide. So the next thing after David was made king was that he was invited to the house of Saul. You would think like, oh yeah, now everything's going to be good. He's now in the king's palace. Every time the king was angry, David would come and sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth shall I make it known. From the rising of the sun right unto its going down. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Play it your own way. come down he'll wake up in the morning again it's a demon after him sudden this guy 
who was a village boy, a shepherd boy in the outbacks, now in the king's palace. All of a sudden, he's now singing and playing for the king. He feels like, oh, this is the first stage of my kingship. Do you know that's what he was thinking about? Now I'm in the king's palace, but God had in mind something. He was going to learn kingship from the house of a fallen king. The tide of David's life was at once he was appointed king. Everything will rise at that time and crash again at Saul's house. But in Saul, David began to see what it was like to be a king. He began to see what it was like to be a, a rejected king by God. He began to see what it was like to hold court. He was began to see the politics of the king's palace. He began to see the king's son, the king's wife. He began to see what it was like to be a king that God had rejected. The bitterness of the man, the sorrow in his heart. And then he woke up in the morning and play again. Play again. Oh. I will sing, and David will sing. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing. Glory to God. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing. Yahweh. glorious so glorious in your praise Kadosh Elohim Sevaot Adonai he will sing and sing the atmosphere will change again and Saul will mellow and one day just saw just saw this guy is anointed Saul just knew he was the next king and jealousy took over his heart, took a javelin and tried to pierce him to the wall. Isn't it amazing that it's in the place where you have the most unction that you also have the biggest temptations. And the place where something has been opened for you is the place where you also have the biggest trials. People will compete for that which God has given to you. This is the rise and fall of life. So David, next, at some particular point in time, Saul had died at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David set up a lamentation for Saul and Jonathan, his good friend. And he said, Thy glory, O Israel, is slain upon thy high places. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Least the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Least the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. Your love to me, Jonathan, was so beautiful. It was more to me than the love of women. He was so in love with Jonathan. And he mourned them. At the end of that time, guess what happened? His kingship started. His kingship started. And men gathered to him and said, David, when Saul was king, you're the one who led us in and out into war. It's time. Say it's time. Say it's time. Preach to someone. 
I said the time is coming. It's coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. Your kingship is coming. Your kingship is coming. Your inheritance is coming. Say it like you believe it. Say your inheritance is coming. Say that which was prophesied, that which was prophesied is coming, is coming. The Lord will make you a mighty vessel for him. A mighty minister, a builder of things, a repairer of breaches. The Lord will change the story of your world. You will be a man of God. Point at them and say, you will be a man of God. You will be a woman of God. You will be anointed. The glory of God will be upon you. The hand of God, the rising tide over your life is the one of glory. The rising tide, the expectation over your life is that of power, the expectation around you is that of what God will do in your life. God is ready to do His word. God is making ready to bring about His power. God is ready. God is ready. Speak to someone and say, God is ready. They gather to David and say, let's make you king. It's time. It's time. When you kill the lion, when you kill the bear, when you kill Goliath, the next thing is kingship. So right now, what you may have before you may be a lion. Kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. Don't cry when you see the lion. Don't cry when you see the bear. It's for you to kill. <laughs> I'm speaking to somebody today. When the situation around you is like a bear or like a lion, don't cry. Kill it. The rising tide over you for you to become what God wants you to be. The expectation for you to rise into what God wants you to rise into is for you to kill the lion and the bear. Sometimes some of us have we've killed the lion. We've killed the bear. But then we see Goliath and we say, Ele, le, le, le. That's what the German people say. Ele, ele, le, le, le. That's like OMG. Like we dying today. Like God, is it not enough? I've killed bear, I've killed lion. Is that not how we sound when, when we when you pray? God, am I the only one? Goliath again, see him six foot tall. Nine foot tall, something like that. His sword was like the weaver's beam. A beam to hold on the building. His sword was like that, that, that thing. Beam. Weave like a beam which the people who weave, they want the station on the ground and everything around production hangs on it. That's what his spear was like. If he shook it, the whole place shook. Marched. The mountains moved under him. David, just, David was just this skinny, rascally boy. him when he was done with Goliath the next thing was kingship the very next day the women started to sing Saul has killed thousands David has killed ten thousands Saul has killed his thousands David ten thousand Saul has killed his thousands David ten thousand ten thousand David ten thousand Ten thousand, David. Ten thousand. 
So let's kill this thousands, give it ten thousand. And then, le, 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 le. <laughs> you have to imagine all the women brought their tambourines. So let's kill this thousands, give it ten thousand. So let's kill this thousands, give it ten thousand. Ten thousand, give it ten thousand. You need holy imagination, holy imagination to live in this world. Now, Saul, at that time, saw the anger is exalted. That's what most Saul's death was because of his anger. One day he was so angry, he chased, chased David. David ran to Samuel's house. David met the company of prophets at Samuel's house. Saul, in anger, ran to kill David there when he got there. The prophetic spirit in that place arrested him and he prophesied. And the Bible says, even all his clothes fell off his body, lay down naked, the whole king prophesying day and night. You would think that after that prophecy, he would go back. That's to tell you something about the prophetic office. The prophetic office stays within a particular zone. In the prophetic zone, anyone who comes in can prophesy. But the prophetic office doesn't change you, it's a gift doesn't change you so you need character to carry the prophetic office because the prophetic office itself doesn't change you. so you see people who are very prophetic but then their behavior is still horrible why because the prophetic office is a gift I want to use this part yet there's another part of the message I want to use this part to say when your life is up and down take a look at the life of David take a look at the life of this man he's a good man but he had so much trouble then eventually he became king when he was anointed king at Hebron that's when he himself rose up and went to the city of Zion in the city of Zion David became king over all Israel you understand what God has given you to be you may not be until the process is done it's a process to get you to where God has ordained for you to be. Just want to encourage you with the process, wherever you may be in this journey, to make peace with what God wants to do with your life. Say amen. amen. So God has interesting things for you. But the tides of life, the tide of life sometimes is a fallen tide sometimes it's depression sometimes it's lack sometimes it's poverty sometimes it's challenges but don't think that that's the end of it another wave is coming another wave is coming and that's the wave of kingship Another wave is coming. Some of you, you've stayed so long in the tide of lack and poverty. I think like that's your name. No, it's not your name. Poverty is not your name. Do you understand? There's a new wave coming. It's actually in the word of God that he will bless our bread and our water and take infirmity away from the midst of us. 
is actually in the word of God that we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who though he was rich yet for her sake he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich and abundantly provided for in all things I am not a prosperity preacher but I want to tell you that there's another wave coming some of you are not believing it this morning but I want to tell you that there's another wave coming I want to tell you that God is bringing another wave of kingship as the coming of Christ is not coming for the church first. He's coming into the church. And when God comes, He will perfect everything that concerns you. He will establish, He will plant you on the word. But this is not all of it. So let's go on. Here's the, here's the entire story of David, first of all, right? First Samuel, David was verse 16 chapter 16 david was anointed king right that's the call then first samuel 18 10 david killed goliath that was the at that time at the same time he killed goliath was when the tormenting spirit came over to david so it seemed like as if there was a u-turn of everything god makes you a promise then as if everything turns upside down that's the first thing that happens it doesn't make sense logically that God will make you a promise and then anything can stand in the way of God. If God is all-powerful, how come he makes you a promise and then you go and do something, you obey him, and then nothing happens and it seems like you're in a bad place. Because it happened not only to you, it happened to Joseph. To this exactly, you can see the same story in the life of Joseph. Every person God calls, what happens that God makes you a promise? And then there's as if there's a reversal of the promise. As if everything goes against what God promised you. And then all of a sudden, what happens is that a tormenting spirit from, from, from God goes into Saul. And Saul began to torment David and pursue him. We read about the cave of Adullam. We read about David being a fugitive, running the outbacks every single day. And then kingship comes redemption first of all all the men of judah first second samuel chapter 2 verse 4 anointed david as king that's redemption and then in first samuel chapter chapter 5 second samuel chapter 5 all of israel so judah first a smaller town and then all of israel at hebron at hebron all the 12 tribes gathered and said okay you are actually our king it's like 30 years between the time when they made him the promise Bible says a long war broke out between the house of David and the house of Saul and the house of David grew waxed stronger and stronger and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker it was like a war of 12 years between David and Saul 12 years so if you're going through something keep going the Bible says mark I said this last week say mark the end of the righteous man it shall be well with them. Don't mark before it's the end. If you mark before the end, it won't look right. But in the end, when you see the end of a righteous man, the Bible says the end of a righteous man is always peace. It's beautiful in the end. Praise God. Then Jesus, after coming into the church, making you who you should be on the world, making your light to shine in the dark place, after Jesus comes in and breaks through into your world, he now begins to speak to you about the big picture. 
Um, Paul begins to say, if it is only in this world we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If your kingship is just about kingship on earth, you are, you are poor and beggarly. If all you want to do is to be king among men and show off your stuff, you are beggarly and you are poor. There is a bigger picture. After you live in the earth, there is a bigger picture. You should live in the light of eternity. The scripture says, why will look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. We look at the things which are unseen, for the things which are unseen are eternal. Set your eyes upon eternity. God is not only interested in making kings. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years were complete. This is the first resurrection. Blessed are the holy and those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 5 to 6, we begin to see a story about the end. There is a coming eternity. After you lived in the earth, the world will not abide forever. There is the end of this era. There is something about the earthly kings. No matter what crowns you or Bill Gates you get, no matter what money you get, no matter how great you get upon the earth, which I said, I said myself that God wants to bless some people. No matter how much he blesses you, that blessing is going to end. It's all earth-based. It's all carnal. It's all earthly. It's all meat for meeting human conditions there's going to come a time when human conditions will no more be enough the bible says the earth will roll away with a great and fervent heat and all of this earth will be destroyed live in the light of eternity that's what will make your earthly kingship worth it live in the light of eternity you may be a david on earth you may be Joseph, gone through so many stuff, but what's the end of your story? Is it eternity or just life on earth? So here's how we live. Here's the journey of our life. Here's a little map of our life, right? You, you're a believer. Then God asks you to grow. Grow in faith. Grow in power. Grow in the presence of God. You grow. And then God asks you to get gifts of the Spirit. Some of you, you're still struggling with the gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy. These are gifts. Receive the gifts of the Spirit. Receive the power of God in your life. That's the first stage. If you don't go over the first stage, how can you even outwork purpose? This is exactly what God is looking for. Then next, you outwork purpose. Then, finally, you are taken into eternity. Say eternity. Eternity is such a mystery that many people don't think about. But God actually has in mind that this world is going to end. Many churches are based on man's need. Many churches are just based here. Have you heard those churches which talk about purpose, purpose all the time? It's, can I tell you something? It's only half cup. Purpose is only half cup. Say to someone, purpose is only half cup. It's not everything. Purpose is not what your life is all about. Purpose is what you do on earth. After the earth, there is something else. There's a common kingdom. There's a common nation. There's a common season in the heart of God. And that's what I want to spend a few more minutes talking about, like five more minutes. The first thing God does to qualify you for eternity is purification. God hopes that all the things you go through on earth will purge you so that you'll be ready for the kingdom of God. The earth is a cleansing place. 
It's a cleansing of your thoughts. It's a washing of your ideas so you can be ready for eternity. Who? So Malachi chapter 3, where we read, we read verse 1, but verse 2, this is verse 2 and 3. It says, But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he is like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they once again offer up acceptable sacrifices to God. So, what God wants to do is to sit over us. Say, sit. Sit doesn't mean he's in a hurry. He wants to look at the detail of your life. He wants to sit. God wants to sit over each of us. This is where it hurts. He wants to sit over you. It's a little lie that you keep telling. It's a besetting sin that you keep falling into. It's the imperfection in your life. It's a doubt that you always doubt God. God wants to sit. Say sit. When he sits over you, he says who can endure? For it's like a refiner's fire. Imagine if God came, he will know everything you did that was wrong. He can look into your life and see the imperfection of your story. You know, we all have, like, I'm wearing a tie. So you don't know what, whether I have like rashes on my chest. We all have things, you know, sometimes one day, was it this particular trouser? I wore one trouser and around here, there was a tear. So I wore a jacket on top of it. When I discovered it, the pocket was uh, torn. How do you think I walked? I walking sideways like this. <laughs> I was shaking from this side. We all know where the tear is in our lives. You all know where you're not perfect and you hide it well from human beings. But when he comes, he will sit as a refiner. What he does in the end will be to cleanse us so much that we can offer God an offering in righteousness. He will come first into the church. I can't tell you how important this is. Many times when we go to church, we are all excited about his coming back, but we don't see his coming in to the church. So when he comes first, he's doing purpose, but apart from that, he wants to sit with you. What are the missing pieces? Where are the places where you don't line up? What are the things which you do wrongly? Pastor Dakbo, it was who spoke and said, if Jesus were to come today, you know, you know, will you go with him? This is what's important. In the end, the offering we offer will be acceptable to God. He will refine us like silver and gold. What we have will be so pure. And he said, we don't know everything, but we know that he's going to make a new earth and a new heaven. The time is coming soon. 
Are you ready for eternity? The tide is not only for the things that God will do on earth. There is half the tide. The tide is the fact that one day we're going to wake up and we're not going to be here again. Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for the next tide? World events all point here. Nations shall rise up against nation, Jesus said. We don't know how exactly it's going to happen. So many people who do church history do the wrong things and say the wrong things. Because the Bible says of the day and of the hour knows no man. We don't know everything that's going to happen. But we know a few things. We know there's going to be a rapture. We know that the world will end. We know there's going to be a lake of fire. And we know that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Are you ready for eternity? What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world? To be the coolest guy, coolest guy, coolest woman. You have everything in the natural. You are earthly king. King woman, eternity, your flaws remain. He wants to sit with you. How many are ready? Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Sing it again. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. God wants to make earthly kings. God wants men and women who do his purpose on earth. God wants men who change the political landscape of the land. God wants nation healed. God wants oppression to cease. God wants to find people who break through the glass ceiling of oppression against women and children. God wants to heal the violence of fire. God wants Islam, the violent militant Islam, ended from the face of the earth. There are many things God wants to do on the earth. But let's not live only in the light of the earth. Let's live in the light of eternity. There's a coming time when the elements of the earth will met, melt away and a new earth and a new heaven will come forth are you ready for that world are you ready are you ready for eternity are you ready to meet your God are you ready to meet your God are you ready to meet God if Jesus were to come today are you ready you may have all the earthly trappings you may have 
everything you need. You may have money. You say you have need of nothing. But in the spirit realm, God says, I see you. You're poor. You're wretched. You're blind. You say, buy of me gold refined in the fire that you may have something worth something. Live in the light of eternity. Live in the light of eternity. A new world is coming. A new world is coming. A new world is coming. A new earth and a new heaven is coming. God is creating a new season. Something else is coming. The next tide will be Christ coming into the church. The next one right after it will be Christ coming for the church. Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Sing that song. Change my heart, oh God. to make a decision Jesus is here this morning in the smallness of this our chapel he's here this morning his glory is here his power is present he wants you he wants you he wants you Let's pray together. Some of you need to tear down some of the things you held on to. Let's recalibrate this morning. Some of you need to come back to Christ. Some of you have wandered away from him. He's calling you. I have a new earth for you. I have a purpose to your life on earth. But this is not where it starts and stops. Live in the light of eternity. This is not where it starts and stops. There is more. There is more, says the Spirit of God. Live in the light of eternity.